Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 250. Kind of a milestone. Sadly, 251 is going to have to wait a few weeks. I am having surgery a week from today on my shoulder and so that will prevent me from doing things for a couple weeks anyway. Hopefully I'll be back in two weeks, but appreciate you listening here on episode number 250 as we do the week seven observations review from a dynasty perspective. Week seven is a pretty significant one because that means we're halfway uh, through the dynasty regular season. Seven games down, seven more to go until the playoffs start in most of our leagues. Dynasty managers should know pretty clearly whether they're a contender or a pretender right now. I know in my nine leagues, it's even more evident than ever which side of that bracket I am, contender or pretender. Week 7 was kind of much of the same for me in that regard. My contender teams did really well. My pretender teams did not. So anyway, after following all the Week 7 games, uh, here are some of my takeaways from a Dynasty perspective. Again, a couple observations, a little look at the waiver wire, and then talk about some trades that took place in my leagues. Well, first observation, I'll call it the running back scramble. I'm going to remember this week as being the running back scramble week. It's rare that in Dynasty leagues to find, you know, startable running backs on the waiver wire. But this week, three players were picked up off waivers, hoping to become a starter, at least for a few weeks. When Ron Rivers and Kyron Williams landed on IR, Zach Evans' managers thought, oh, they've got the guy that's finally going to get a chance. Well, he did not. Instead, the Rams promoted Royce Freeman from the practice squad. They signed Daryl Henderson and Miles Gaskin. Uh, Henderson and Freeman got all the touches on Sunday, while Evans just watched. He got none. Uh, watching Dynasty managers hedge their bets this week uh, as they made claims for Henderson and Freeman and Gaston was pretty fun. I know I picked up a, a, a several shares of each of those guys in different leagues, depending on the situations. And I even started Freeman in one, one deep league that I'm a part of. Gaskin is the player, though, that I added the most because I think he is the most talented player among that bunch. And he played most recently, too, looking really good in Miami's preseason games. Uh, Freeman and Henderson, you know, because they're more familiar with the offense, they hopped right in and they got the, the nod in their first week altogether. But I'm hopeful that Gaskin's going to have the opportunity in coming weeks. Uh, Kyron Williams was definitely one of the biggest surprises this year in Dynasty. And while he remains on the IR, one of these guys found on the waiver wire last week uh, could help their fantasy teams too. That was a pretty fun way to end the week, uh, watching everyone scramble uh, for this Rams running backs that they were going to try to replace. Next observation from the week is I call upset special. There were two early upsets in week seven. The Patriots upset the Bills, and their offense looked alive for the first time <laughs> since game one. Mac Jones and his most had his most efficient game of the season, completing 83% of his passes, throwing two touchdowns, including that game winner with 15 seconds left on the clock. Kendrick Bourne is the team's new wide receiver one, and then DeMario, or who they call Pop Douglas, is emerging as their wide receiver too. More on him when I talk about the waiver wire segment. It appears that the dynasty value of Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker has finally just died. I dropped Juju a few weeks ago in one of my leagues that I had him, and now I have to drop Parker this week, I think. Embarrassingly, he's one of my most rostered players uh, from all my teams. I'm going to have to drop him, I think, this week. 
The Patriots look, looked good, you know, against a familiar foe, so that probably helped. Still, they need to string together a couple good games of offense before I'm going to trust anyone on their offense besides Ramonde Stevenson, uh, who looked great, you know, in the passing game this week. And he got a little goal line touch was taken by Ezekiel Elliott, though, so his, his day wasn't as good. But apart from Stevenson, um, still staying away from the Patriots, but it's good to see them put a little bit of something together. And like I said, someone's going to pop up on the waiver wire as a uh, player to nab this week. Second, it was you know not a surprise that the Ravens beat the Lions, but it was surprising how they beat them. Lamar Jackson just came out on fire, leading the Ravens to four straight touchdowns in the first half. A week ago, I uh, talked on the podcast about how the Ravens looked like the same old Ravens, that Todd Monken's new offense really hadn't uh, been able to make them look any different. Well, hopefully uh, this is a new offensive turnaround started this week. Zay Flowers continues to be the team's most productive receiver. But Rashad Bateman and Odell Beckham were involved more this week, too. And Nelson Aguilar, he caught his one catch, but it was a touchdown. I hoped so much that uh, that Monken's new offense and this new offensive scheme would help Bateman regain some dynasty value, but thus far, he's yet to do so. Uh, This older, they've gone with the older first-round picks. They've got so many first-round picks, uh, wide receiver picks on their team. Uh, Their other first-rounders, Beckham and Aguilar, um, were the ones that got the most fantasy points this week. And they have more targets than Bateman has had on the season. Bateman's yet to eclipse three targets in any game this season. So I have to admit, if you've been following me, you know I was a honker, truther for for Bateman. Uh, I've got to admit that I was wrong. I actually cut him in one shallow league that's a 20-man roster. I cut him this week. And I've considered cutting him in other other league that I have him on the 30-man roster. He's right there on the verge of the players that I think to cut whenever I pick someone up. Sadly, even if the offense improves, I think Bateman's unreliable as a dynasty asset, and that makes me sad. But what a nice blowout to win for the Ravens. Next observation I'll call backup battle. Deshaun Watson, in his first game back from injury, gets injured again, like right away, giving way to this backup battle between the Colts backup, Gardner Minshew, and the and the Browns backup, P.J. Walker. And while they didn't look great on the field, they led their teams to the highest scoring game of the week, smashing the 40.5 over-under. By the end of the first half, they'd already scored more than 40.5. Jerome Ford was on his way to a fantastic day after a 69-yard touchdown, but then he was injured, allowing Kareem Hunt, who was a game-time decision, uh, to score two touchdowns. Man, this could have been Ford's, but he got hurt, including uh, Hunt's game winner. Uh, though Pierre Strong, more on him a little bit later in the waiver wire segment, he averaged, they both just averaged 3.1 yards per carry. Uh, even, though, uh, even though the Cleveland Browns gave up 38 points, it really was their defense that kept him in the game. They had four sacks, forcing three fumbles and one interception, giving the Browns short fields time after time after time, which is why they were able to score uh, so so easily. As for the Colts, Minshew's three fumbles and one interception uh, did not ruin uh, his fantasy day because he was bailed out by two long touchdowns, 59 yards uh, by Dobbs, I mean by Downs, and uh, 75 yard by Pittman. Uh, Downs, don't look now, but he's become a really reliable starter, scoring 13, 11, and 21 points, the best, his best game of his career this last week with 125 yards. Uh, this is starting to be a pretty good-looking offense, even though Minshew is leading it instead of Richardson, who we really wanted to see lead it. In addition to that, Jonathan Taylor finally took over the backfield this week, touching the ball tw- twice, uh, two more times than uh, Moss, so it finally tipped in his favor this time, and he scored his first touchdown. Well, if you were riding that Zach Moss ride and had that guy that came out of nowhere and rode him uh, to probably some fantasy wins, I think that well has dried up. 
I expect Taylor to completely overtake him next week, though they do face the league's best rushing defense next week in New Orleans. The dynasty value of Taylor and Pittman and Downs is on the rise for the Colts. And the news about Anthony Richardson's season-ending surgery makes Minshew even a streamable starter for the rest of the season. It's a shame that we're not really going to get to know what to expect from Taylor, Pittman, and Downs in a Richardson-led offense. We're just not going to get to see if we did sample size is too small. But as they continue to improve with Minshew, uh, maybe they'll be ready in even a better spot when Richardson comes back. Uh, they're going to see their fantasy value rise a little bit, I think, just because of the passing offense that Minshew's going to bring, and he won't be stealing the touchdowns, although he did steal some in uh, this week in this game, too, with rushing. So... Pretty funny. Good to see the uh, Colts uh, dynasty assets really starting to bounce back. Love it that I got downs in uh, two of my leagues. Excited for him. Next, we'll do what I normally do, a little rookie watch. Uh, this this week, let's talk about two guys, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, he saw more looks this week since DK, DK Metcalf was inactive, that's for sure. But even so, his role in the offense has been improving in recent weeks. And seeing him get his first touchdown catch and the first time for him to lead the team in targets, that was pretty fun. I heard a reporter uh, this week describe how the lack of production early in the season was partly because Seattle had an offensive line was not healthy, causing Seattle to run a lot more 12 personnel at the beginning of the season. Since now the line has become healthy, they're running far more 11 personnel, giving JSN a more significant role in the offense. Dynasty managers should not panic uh, with him just because he had a slower start than some of the other rookie receivers. His time's coming, and Tyler Lockett is finally showing some sides of his age, I think, this season. And he's got an out in his contract at the end of this year, too, that the team could get out from. His dynasty managers, you know, can confidently put him in their starting lineup soon. Probably not quite yet, but fun to see that start to happen for him. And the next one is another rookie, uh, Jalen Hyatt. He only caught two passes this week, but he has definitely overtaken and become the wide receiver, too. He's got that wide receiver, two role in New York, um, just behind Darius Slayton. And I think in the next few weeks, he might actually pass him by on the depth chart. Hyatt has had 73 and 71% of the snaps the last two weeks, just behind Slayton's 87 and 84%. Uh, But Hyatt was the most targeted wide receiver for the first time in this week. And so the Giants' very, very crowded wide receiver room that no one quite knew what to do with, it's starting to clear up a little bit. And Slayton and um, Hyatt here are getting by, by far more snaps than anyone else. And so he's a wide receiver two already. Count him as that. He might even become their wide receiver one in New York. So two good rookies to watch out for. And my little old man strength segment, old man strength strength award goes this week to Mike Evans. He just can't be stopped. He's almost halfway to his 10th 1,000 yard season in a row. Uh, That's incredible. 10,000 yard seasons in a row. And he's almost halfway there after playing only six games because the Bucks had a bye week already. So with six games, he's almost at 500 yards. Uh, he did have two modest weeks in a row the last two weeks, but he bounced back this week with a 40-yard touchdown and six receptions. Man, at 30 years old, uh, he continues to be an every-week starter in dynasty lineups. This is one of the top players that you target. Competitive teams ought to keep him in, in, keep him in their rosters, or if they don't have him on their rosters, competitive teams should actually try to trade for him. I know I'm starting him in one of my competitive teams that's 5-2, and two, starting him in my, in my lineup every single week, and he's producing for me. And then the other league where I'm actually 6-1, and one, I've tried to trade for him, and I just keep getting caught up in the negotiations. Can't quite make a deal happen, but I'm going to keep trying to get Mr. Old Man Strength on my uh, teams where I'm competitive. Final observation, just more kind of a halfway checkpoint when I think about my teams. I call it contending and tanking. Uh, more than any other year that I can remember, 
my teams are either on the top or the bottom of the league, <laughs> not in the middle, not in that kind of that dynasty uh, middle ground that we don't like to be in. I really aimed to embrace rebuild mode early this year if I felt like my team wasn't a contender. As a result, I don't really have any middle-of-the-pack teams this year. If nothing crazy happens this Monday night, remember I'm courting on Monday afternoon, I'm going to end this week in the middle of the regular season, so halfway through, seven, seven you know, weeks in. I've got two 6-1 and one teams, four 5-2 and two teams. So those are my contenders, six, uh, two 6-1 and one, and four 5-2. and two. But then I've got two 2-5 two and five teams and one 1-6 one team. So those are my three uh, tanking teams. My contending teams, except for one, are among the top three high-scorers team, highest-scoring teams in the league, and I'm very confident that they're going to continue to put up points. As for my tanking teams, uh, except for one, I've compiled a lot of picks in those leagues. That's pretty pretty exciting. In one league, I have two first-round picks, three second-round picks in 2024, and I have two first-round picks in 2025 already. In the other league where I'm tanking, trying to rebuild, I have two first-round picks, three second-round picks in 2024. As for my very worst team, the 1-6 and six team, let's just say I made some really bad mistakes and trades in that league, and it's by far the worst team I've ever had ever in Dynasty. That rebuild is going to be a couple years in the making. In Dynasty, you know, you know, you know the phrase, winning, losing can be winning, and I'm enjoying rebuilding teams for the first time really in my Dynasty life like this, so it's pretty fun. I like where I stand in my leagues right now at the halfway point of the season. A lot of contenders and a few rebuilders. All right, let's talk some uh, waiver wire for week number seven. Just three guys that I'm interested in, very interested in the first guy. Not so much the second two, but I want to put them on your radar. First is Demario Douglas. Uh, Douglas is a rookie, and he's quickly becoming a starter ahead of Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster in New England. Uh, he has this, he had the second most wide receiver targets on Sunday and had his most productive game of the season, scoring 9.4 fantasy points. Modest, but he's, he's moving up there. Uh, he's been on and off my roster in several of my leagues now, but now I'm really re ready to add him and just keep him. I just want to hold him on my roster and see what he becomes. Like I said, the Patriots offense is usually not one that we're trying to uh, believe that they can help wide receivers right now, but things can change in the future, and we're talking from a dynasty perspective. And so from that perspective, Douglas is very worth watching to see what he can do as the offense develops you know, this season and beyond. He's definitely the player I'm targeting, targeting this week. Next player to consider would be Jake Bobo. Bobo had one of the best touchdown catches of the day in Seattle. Uh, his playtime increased significantly this week, of course, because DK Metcalf was inactive. But he's made a great catch uh, several times during the season. Uh, he's still fourth in the depth chart in Seattle. But like I said earlier, Tyler Lockett is, is finally starting to show his age. Uh, Bobo is worth stashing in very, very deep leagues, especially given that the Seahawks do have that potential out for Lockett's contract at the end of the season. The last player I might be interested in, one of my favorites, but I've since dropped him from all my rosters, Pierre Strong. Uh, Strong did rotate with Kareem Hunt after Jerome Ford was injured on Sunday. If Ford's injury lingers, you know, Hunt is probably going to lead the team in touches, but Strong's going to be able to share the load too. So I'd only add him in the deepest of leagues, uh, particularly if Ford comes out that Ford's injury is going to last a few weeks. All right, my, my dynasty leagues are staying active because there were four trades that took place. Uh, two actually took place at the very end of the previous week, and I just forgot to include them in last week's podcast, but I'll still mention them here. They're still relevant for the time being. Uh, first trade was Dante Foreman and Zach Evans for Tyler Algier. So two backup running backs, Foreman and Evans, uh, for Algier. 
So in this uh, backup running back trade, a team was vying for a playoff position, traded away Algier to get what I guess he presumed would be two starters for a few weeks anyway with Foreman and Evans. Well, we all know how that went. Uh, Foreman was a very good start this week and did okay last week, whereas Evans got buried by the other Rams, that uh, by Henderson and Freeman and the other Rams that the, they decided to sign instead. Um, Foreman, you know, actually was not on this guy's active roster this week when he scored uh, 31 points, I believe it was. And so even though this guy made this trade for Foreman, he forgot to put him in the roster and put uh, Rashad, uh, Rashad White in instead. So he'll be regretting that one. Foreman, you know, could be active for a few weeks here, uh, but I'm pretty sure that Rashawn Johnson's going to come back and will be the one, one side and Foreman will become the two in that regard. Um, as for uh, this trade, I really think I like the Algiers side a little bit more. I think that he's the kind of one-to-one handcuff with Bijan Robinson. He's certainly a backup, but I think if Bijan's out, Algiers going to get all the work. Whereas if we see, you know, Khalil Herbert or Roshan Johnson gets hurt, Devante or Dante Foreman could find himself being the third man out. And we already know that Zach Evans is the third or if not the fourth man out already. And that's even with two people ahead of him that are on IR. So I like the Algiers side of that one. Um, although Foreman, you know, could really help someone in the weeks that he does start here um, this season. Next trade's a pretty modest one, K.J. Osborne for a 2025 third-round pick, so talking about future, future picks here. A rebuilding manager traded away Osborne to a contender for a late future pick. That's really what this was. He got the best of what he could, you know, as he's a rebuilding team. He tried to capitalize on Justin Jefferson's stint on IR by offering up Osborne, and he got himself a third-round pick for it. I understand what both teams are trying to do in this league. We actually start three wide receivers, and we have two flex spots. So in a league like that, Osborne's going to make some starts this season while Justin Jefferson is injured. So picked up a starter, gave up a third round. I like what both teams did there. Next trade was uh, Jerome Ford for a 2024 fifth and a 2024 fifth-round pick. So Ford and a fifth-round pick for a 2026 second-round pick. So we're talking future, future here. Basically, Ford for a second-round pick in the future. Uh, the same rebuilding team that uh, got picked, got that third-round pick for Osborne. I uh, was able to pick up some more picks here in a second round in 2026. Uh, gave away Ford. Now, this this trade's a little bit different from Osborne because a Ford, Ford is really has a lot more dynasty upside than Osborne does. So it's fair, it's fair to get a second-round pick for him like he did, um, even if it's three years out in this case. Ford was, you know, a needed addition to that manager's team since he had lost David Montgomery and Miles Sanders to injuries. So while those guys were injured, he was just scrounging, trying to figure out how he could get another starting running back on his team. And he did. And Ford helped him actually win his game this week, though he did not help him last week when he lost. Anyway, Ford, if he stays healthy, he could really help this team fight for a playoff spot this year while the rebuilding team gets what he wanted, gets another second-round pick, and uh, is just going to help him fight another day. Finally, one more trade, a little bit trickier. Like I said, I'm in one salary cap league. That the trades are a little bit harder to describe because people trade make trades not just for the players, but they do it to dump salary cap and stuff like that too. But Tyler Lockett was traded for Trey Palmer and two 2024 third-round picks. So essentially Lockett for two third-round picks because both of those guys are in one-year contracts. So Palmer and Lockett will be up at the end of this year. Where uh, So essentially this is Tyler Lockett for two third-round picks. A rebuilding team that was 0-6 uh, got the best that he could for Lockett and then getting those third-round picks. He also was able to get him to take his contract on, and so he was in, cut $15 million from his salary cap, whereas Palmer, uh, the one that he let go, was only about 300000 
And so he cleared up a lot of cap space for him. He now has the second most money in the league behind my team, which is uh, six and one. Uh, Lockett is uh, the only one of the, he's uh, one of the most tradable players right now for rebuilding teams. And so it's hard to do if you were able to trade him last week, like this, this trade was, off of a good week, that's what you need to do. This week, Lockett didn't have a very good week. And so one league where I have Lockett and I am a rebuilder, I'm just waiting for him to pop off with another really big week and then put him back on the block and see what I could get. I think I would take two third-round picks at this point in that league. So if you're in that league, that would be the keeper league, come calling for me. Someone come out there and get Tyler Lockett for me. Uh, we'll see what he goes for. All right. That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Again, I'm going to have to miss the podcast here for a few weeks, likely because of some pretty significant shoulder surgery. Um, But I know that I will be having more time on the couch to follow it. So I'll have a lot to talk about whenever I am able and healthy enough to get back. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast for me. That would mean a lot. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get free. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. 